Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. Today the first reading is from Isaiah chapter 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the thought, the very thought, of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. 
About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices in the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I have waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, the gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention, plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. The Gospel of our Lord. Well, there once <clears throat> was a man who planted a fig tree in his yard, and it grew fairly well. It put out some new leaves and some new growth, but no apples. Did I say an apple tree or a fig tree? <laughs> I meant apple tree, just in case you're wondering. Okay. <laughs> Got that cleared up. All right. Well, this man went to the nursery, that his local nursery, and said to them, this apple tree hasn't, uh, hasn't bare any fruit for a year or so. And they said, well, don't expect that. It usually takes a couple years. So a year went by and no apples. Another year went by and no apples. And the spring of the next year arrived, and there was not even a blossom on it, which would mean there would definitely be no apples. So by the summer, the tree was cut down and was gotten rid of to make way for something more productive to be in that space in his yard. Back at the nursery, he was told when he complained about this, you just got a bad tree. A lemon, you might say. They say patience is a virtue. They say forbearance a good thing. But there are limits, aren't there, or isn't there? It would be overly judgmental to punish somebody for a first infraction, right? But there are these limits. There's three strikes and you're out, right? Right? Well, a professor tells a story about teaching a philosophy course early in her career. And a student <clears throat> comes up to her and says to her that he was not a very good reader, so he had a real fear about taking this course, which demanded quite a bit of reading. The professor told the student that most likely he would do all right if he would just keep up on the reading and do the daily assignments. The students came back um, a little bit later and told the professor he had tried to do that, but the work was difficult. And the professor encouraged him to keep working at it. 
When the first paper came due, the student pleaded for mercy. He had gotten behind. He needed more time to complete the assignment. So the professor, knowing he was having some difficulty, gave him some more time. The first paper came in about two weeks late. Then there was the second paper, and as you might expect, it was late too. And that last paper, the third paper for the class, never came to the professor. About a month after the course ended, the professor finally failed this student. Because you know, three strikes and you're out. So when this professor begins a new class, she tells her students, here are the requirements of the course. Stay within these boundaries and these limits and you'll be just fine. Transgress the rules and you probably will have a little bit of trouble. And students have told the professor that they like that she's so upfront and appreciate being told what's expected of the course in such a way that they kind of get it. And the professor would tell you that she just now recognizes that setting limits and enforcing boundaries is just part of her job. So where would life be without limits and without boundaries? Where would life be without these kind of parameters? Well, Jesus, though, doesn't seem to be very good at setting limits. Let me explain why I say that. One day, people asked him about forgiveness. They say <clears throat> to Jesus, should we forgive seven times? Because they know Jesus is kind of big on forgiveness, so once or twice probably won't cut, you know, won't cut it. But seven times, that seems like going the extra mile, right? Seven times seems like going the extra mile. But Jesus, who is really big on forgiveness, says, forgive seven times 70. And for us who learn multiplication tables, that's 490 times, which is kind of limitless forgiveness, right? Limitless forgiveness. And then Jesus told stories, too. A shepherd searches for one lost sheep. How long? For 24 hours? For a day? Nope. Nope. It says he searches for the one lost sheep until he finds it. That's limitless searching. Limitless searching. But today in the gospel lesson, we have a landowner who comes to a gardener saying, we've, been, uh, we've given this fig tree a great deal of time. It's been here year after year. Can we cut it down now because it seems like it's dead? It's not producing fruit. Now that sounds kind of like a reasonable thing to us to do. After all, why should this unproductive tree be taking up space and water and sunshine? Even in the Old Testament, according to the book of Leviticus, if you look it up, it says that uh, three years is the normal amount of time for a fig tree to produce fruit. So the landowner's zeal to cut it down is reasonable, even according to what scripture says right there in the Old Testament. But the gardener says, nope, let's put some manure around it. Let's dig around it. Let's leave it alone for a little bit. And then let's see if it produces some fruit. Because the gardener knew his problem with bearing fruit was because his roots were not immersed in rich fertilizer, in rich loam, which could give life to its limbs. 
And the gardener knew that the roots needed this life-giving nutrients if it was going to bear fruit. The gardener knew what he needed. And Jesus says that God is just like this gardener who wants to give tr the tree a lot of help and time to begin bearing fruit. Jesus was saying there is still time for us all to bear fruit. And God, well, God is about giving people grace and mercy and second chances. God is about investing in God's people. I think this story is maybe a little different than what we might expect. It's not a story about us and our limits, or ours about being having three strikes and you're out, and that's the mentality that we often have. It's a story about our ways and thoughts not being like God's ways and thoughts at all. It's about God who has not limits on his mercy. It's about the fact that there is always time to change as long as we live. And this story, I think, probably shocked the audience to which Jesus was speaking. It all started with them asking Jesus these questions, these questions about why did these people get killed? Why were they massacred by the Romans in the temple while they were sacrificing? And why did those people who the uh, Tower of Siloam collapsed on, why did that happen? And the people were saying, did it happen to these people because they had committed some sort of sin? And the audience was really probably quite sure that those two incidences were proof that they had, those people had done something awful. Otherwise, it would not have happened to them. So Jesus, you see, is addressing this age-old question of whether people deserve seemingly random kind of calamities that happen to them because they have sinned by saying, no, that's not the reason that happened. His understanding of those events is different than their understanding. He cites this example as saying, this is how fragile human life can be. And he says it can really knock people off their feet at any time. That is what Jesus is saying about those particular incidences. And you know what? If we've ever experienced tragedy in our life or the life of our family, we probably know that that's what it's like too. Jesus is saying that when incidents like this happen, they often make us look at our lives once again. And we reevaluate what is important. We maybe focus on faith in God in a new way. And perhaps you might even say we repent. We change our lives and the way we live. When these things happen, they cause us to ask, if you will, kind of deeper questions and to kind of burrow in and kind of think, what is this about? How do I put this together? So tragedy and unexpected incidences just are this catalyst for reprioritizing our, 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 our decisions. And they can call us to repentance and even a changed way of life. But are they punishment from God? No. Not punishment from God, Jesus says. Then Jesus tells this parable, a parable of a fig tree that wasn't producing fruit, a parable about God's grace and mercy, a parable about giving people another chance, a parable about how grace is poured into our lives, about how God invests 
and our lives. A man came to a pastor's office and said to the pastor, you know what, pastor, I regret that I did not grow up in a home where faith was important. There's so much in the Bible I don't know. A lot of people memorized that stuff when they were children, and here I am, I'm 40. And the pastor said, well, we can dig around you a bit and put some manure on you and see what happens. Well, the pastor didn't say that. But he wanted to. He wanted to because the man could rejoice because there was still time, time to change, time to immerse himself in God's word and to immerse himself in the body of Christ and to go on a mission trip and to join a small group and do all these things. There was still time. It was not too late. There was a man who wasn't much of a husband. He was, however, a talented uh, excuse me, physician and much in demand. And he was always at the hospital, always working. So it wasn't a surprise to one day hear that his wife of 20 years just left him. She said she didn't know him anymore and she just couldn't take it any longer. Well, the man remarried at the age of 60. He was going to start over. He said... Here at this stage in my life, I'm getting a second chance. I'm going to do better this time because I've learned a thing or two about how to make a marriage a good one. I'm going to do it right. And probably a few people thought he was a fool, yet knowing Jesus' little story about the fig tree, about things getting second chances, it somehow seems to say to a man who failed his, his first marriage and wants to try it again, Rejoice! There is still time. There is still time to change and grow. You know what? Sometimes God's mercy surprises us and comes in the form of forgiveness, as when Jesus looked down from the cross and prayed, Father, forgive them. And sometimes God's mercy comes in the forms of gifts as when we are given some great opportunity which we've never expected. And what a wonderful thing that is. And yet, sometimes God's mercy comes in this, in time. In time to learn from our past and from our mistakes and then start over. And Christians have a word for this sort of mercy. It's called repentance. Now, I know we often think of repentance as being like, oh, saying we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, and just kind of being, ugh. But this word means so much more than just that. It means turning around and changing directions. And the Greek word, which is found in Luke, which we are reading today, the word is metanoia, which means coming to your senses and changing your mind. Think about that. It means coming to your senses and changing your mind. So repentance is when a sinner, and who is not one of those at times, a sinner, repentance is when a sinner returns to God, starts over, and bears life-giving fruit. So you see, it doesn't matter what we've done before we got here today. It doesn't matter how much we've messed up in the past or maybe how much we've misused the gifts God has given us. There is time to change. And you see, God likes to spread manure, which I mean really is God's grace, around 
He likes to spread that around. And God is giving all of us one of the greatest gifts of all, and it's this gift of time. So even now, even now, we can grow and let God's love shine through all that we say and do. I think the Lenten question is, how will we use that gift? How will we use that gift? Will we take the time that God gives us, and will we use it in self-examination, maybe in honest confession, in joyful turning, turning back to God, in stepping outside our comfort zones when that can be so very hard to do? Will we use it to make life-giving decisions for ourselves and others? Will we clean up our messes that we've made? Will we be like that fig tree who is given some loving care and mercy? And will we become who God intends us to be even now and let God's grace flow through us so we can bear fruit? The good news of Lent is this. God's mercy says that as long as we live, as long as we live, there is time. There is still time for us all. And with the help of manure, which is God's grace, to bear fruit, which brings life and love to the world. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.